0: Welcome to Sharon Feelings. My name is Chris Sharon. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to another episode. Please welcome to the podcast, Mr. Michael Taylor Robinson. Michael and I went to college together at Montclair State, and he's a fellow actor and performer and Disney dude. <laughs> He begins by catching me up on his life with his boyfriend Gabe, their apartment in Newark, and how, in more ways than one, he's ended up in a place he never thought he'd be. We discuss our fear of failing and making mistakes, obsessing over the future, and how even though we've had tons of free time to think about our lives, we're not much closer to finding any answers. But we practice gratitude and find grace in knowing that this life is astonishingly unpredictable. Michael opens up to me about his social anxiety growing up, feeling like the black sheep of his family and struggling to belong to any community. He grants us with his personal experience dealing with the murder of George Floyd, and informs me on the absurdities of colorism, the concept of intersectionality, and the daily reminder of racism. Amidst the cackling laughter and moments of pure honesty, Michael proves, maybe even without realizing it, that we all can find a place to fit in enjoy oh my gosh look at you
1: look at you wow I,
0: i'm so overwhelmed it has been too long my friend Oh, wow! I agree. It is so good to see you. Yeah, same. You look gorgeous. You look like you're posing for a, a like a home a home buyers ad or something. I don't know, like Architectural Digest or something. Oh, um,
1: my boyfriend will appreciate that you said that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, holy shit! Congratulations! What an accomplishment you being with Gabe. Like, first of all, you deserve it. I'm not shocked or surprised, but I, for some reason, always remember.
1: I don't Being know. Being single in college? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I remember that too. <laughs> 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 and me never stopping complaining about it.
2: <laughs> <That too. laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs>
1: And senior in high school and having like no intention of really thinking about Montclair State. Because it was there my entire life. You know what I mean? And just the idea of like like now, and obviously living it, it was great, but being in high school and thinking like I don't want to go to school twenty minutes from my house, that sounds awful.
0: Right, (laughs) right, um, right, right.
1: But ultimately, it was definitely the best thing for me to do.
0: Yeah, for Uh, sure. Absolutely. Did it come down to, like, money, or was it just, like, the most convenient thing?
1: (laughs) It was a combination of things. Montclair, so I had planned on auditioning at, like, 12 schools um, originally, and, you know, me being my lazy, uh, you know, bare minimum ass, just uh ended up completing the application process and audition process for only four schools. Okay. So Montclair was the only one that I both was accepted into the musical theater program and got an academic scholarship. Uh, so it was just like and it's right there so it just made sense. Yeah, you
0: know? was there another school that you wish like were hoping for at the time or anything like that or
1: uh, I mean, yeah, I think, like ultimately, I was just sort of like, I don't know where I'm going. It would just be sort of my <laughs> general status in life. Is just like I'm gonna go with the flow, man.
0: So, Dude, yeah. I that's I admire that so much. Though I don't know if me, I'm sure it comes with its you know negatives, uh, disadvantages. <laughs> but I feel like I'm especially now just really fighting against this thought process of always having to plan have a plan in motion and like I feel like maybe that stems from when I was a kid because I feel like I used to be that way a lot and then when I got into theater school I started to embrace like the present moment more like that that phrase came into my life for the first time I think like in college and then like now I'm sort of like going back to old habits and I absolutely hate it I want to just like wake up enjoy the day and and, like let it be a good day and then move on you know what I mean just simple you know but I think being present is i mean a constant goal in my
1: life because i i am very much the same way i am constantly either thinking about something stupid i did yesterday or five years ago or thinking about where i'm going to be five years from now and very rarely am i actually thinking about like oh you know what it's beautiful outside and i don't have shit to do today you know like i could be appreciating that (laughs) but yes yeah i i constantly want to know like where I'm gonna be ultimately but really it doesn't matter because once I'm there I'm gonna be thinking about the next thing yes that is that's
0: it man I mean I I think like also I just I haven't accepted the fact that like just like you said enjoying that it's it's sunny out today you know we're supposed to get a snowstorm tomorrow let's enjoy the sunshine today like letting that be just enough of a day And and feeling like I always have to keep like working in my head, in my mind, and planning and structuring and making lists that I'll never look at again, and just like all this stuff that I think is going to be productive, because I have to be productive right now. Otherwise, I'm just some unemployed actor who's like never going to work again. You know what I mean? Like, I think think it's. I think it's just like, I guess it's human nature, but I'm sure it's just a plague of people in our industry too, is just this idea of this expectation that like, if I don't have anything to show for my time, for my work, then I'm not enough. Cause you know, I, I haven't been on Broadway. I haven't been, you know, in a major motion picture, you know, it's not like what I have, I doing here? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And it's way too late for us to start again and find a new career. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I don't miss know. That boat. Yeah, <laughs> miss that vote. How how have you been with just handling that idea of just sort of having to pivot a little bit in what is going to be almost a year since <laughs>
1: <laughs> everything shut if down? I'm being totally honest, not great. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Let me let me rephrase that. I have been thinking about the pivot. Probably for two to three years. Okay. Like, well before the start of the pandemic, I was like, can I really... Is this feasible long-term? Can I sustain this working nights, auditioning in the morning kind of thing? Because, you know, I think it's all the things we know it to be. It's exhausting. You end up experiencing burnout from working too much and auditioning too much and getting rejected too much. You know, I would say that based on my own metrics I have experienced like a decent amount of success like I'm not I'm not out here everybody knowing who Michael Taylor Robinson is but I'm living my dreams a little bit
0: Yeah, so I'm having
1: yes. fun but it's not enough to provide me stability and I think for me that's always something that I've looked at as like I was raised, I think, to feel that like stability and being able to provide for yourself at all times is really like the ultimate goal. And, you know, in the last couple of years, I've started to question is theater, acting, performing, whatever, really the best way for me to do that. And also, I find that with making what is my passion into my career, I've found that I've lost some of the passion for it. And that, to me, I don't know which one is worse. I'm kind of, it's a little bit of a toss-up for me. But I, I definitely find, like, I'm going a lot longer stretches without doing any sort of singing. Or, you know, I was the one who was always on YouTube looking at a different bootleg or some bitch singing Defying Gravity somewhere. You <laughs> know? So now I'm just like, oh, God, I've seen them all. Been there, done that. Don't R- care. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, the the thinking about the pivot for a while and with the pandemic, at first that seemed like a little bit of a blessing to have a break and be like, Okay, I don't have to audition, I don't have to feel bad about not auditioning, and I get to take this time to just work and think about what I wanna do. Which has not led to any productive decisions. <laughs> You know? But it's been good. I'm I'm living my dreams. I'm having the time of my life while I'm sitting here thinking.
0: Yeah. Life <laughs> well, it goes fun. on, man. Yeah, I mean wow, it's good to um it's good to connect because I just you sometimes you feel like you're the only one who's struggling with that and, and it's good you know it's good to know that i think i think a lot of people are just sort of trying to find their way through all this and i guess maybe that's just like life you know what i mean like i i, I guess as we get older we realize this is just what adults do you know they just try to make the best decisions and move forward in the most productive way but Yeah, man. I'm like always looking at two sides of the spectrum. I'm always kind of bitching about the stuff that I haven't done or haven't done this and haven't gone there and I need to do X, Y, and Z or else. And then on the other side of things, like I have so much to be grateful for. And even in the last year, although it's been full of so much shit, has really brought me a lot of opportunities just for my own personal life and growth that like I probably wouldn't have had had everything not just sort of come to a halt and we were forced to like sit with ourselves and be like, okay, let me decide the difference between like what I need and what I want, you know what I mean? And I think like especially even moving back to New York City which I talk about all the time I I can't stop talking about it and people are probably sick of it but like (laughs) we moved back in September and it's the best decision I ever made And and Where
1: were you living before
0: that? Well, before we were kind of just like so I was working for Disney Cruise Line when the pandemic hit. Okay. And we we finally got off the ship in California and Kristen, my wife... Um, it
1: wait, hurt- wait. <laughs> Hold on for a second. Because I was sitting here thinking, I was like, wait, this son of a bitch is
2: married. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you, man.
0: <laughs> a big issue for me has been not necessarily thinking about what it is that I want or maybe like trying to manifest what it is that I want or plan it out it's really just like the self doubt that attaches to those decisions and I can't yeah. just like be strong and steady and clear like this is what I want this is what I'm going to get I'm going to get it like yeah. there's no no questioning you know I'm I'm just not that way
1: yeah I am very much in the same boat for me it's the self doubt but it's also just the lack of being able to decide what it is that I want, and which is strange because I feel like that's a relatively new thing for me. Mm-hmm. When I was in high school, it was so clear in my mind, the first thing that I decided at like 15 or 16 was that I wanted to be an actor, I wanted to pursue musical theater as a career, and since then, I hadn't really wavered or thought about anything else I, I you know when I was in college and getting frustrated with the program I'd be like okay well maybe I want to do music education so I have a backup or something but other than that it never really became an issue and then as I've started thinking about like okay is this sustainable long term all of those sort of backup plans or, or side careers whatever sort of like didn't Feel totally right being a voice teacher, or I've thought about doing uh, speech language pathology, uh-huh. going back to school for that, or you know, going to school and just completely changing my career and you know, working in a doctor's office because that was, those were the two things I ever wanted to do was be a doctor, or be an actor. That was it. <laughs> okay. It's a little late for medical school, <laughs> oh, yeah. so maybe just like front desk in a life. Bougie doctor's office. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't you just see me there? Yes. Hi, thank hello. You for to our private practice. Can I take your insurance information?
0: <laughs> That's it. We've solved it. That's what you need to do. Oh my gosh. I'm certain. <laughs> yeah. Is there any sort of fear attached to that? Like in the sense of like I'm only getting older. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. and time is running out. I guess I don't know.
1: Absolutely. But also, I think the fear comes from. A feeling for me that like if theater doesn't work out that means the choice to study musical theater the choice to make this my career was a mistake not that that's fact that's an idea I've created in my mind but that belief means that okay I've already made one big mistake do I want to take a chance and potentially make another mistake by choosing the wrong career a second time oh, you know yeah, um, yeah I think that's where my brain goes yeah and so instead of just taking a chance because we only have one life so like people are going to make mistakes every day <laughs> it is what it is my brain is like no I can't afford to make another one <laughs> <So> <laughs> I'd rather just stay here
0: I think maybe that's a part of the sort of societal problem of like you have to have a career and that is what you do for 50 years and then you retire and die you know what I mean and like so so it's which is totally like what my parents had as well so it's like it's been all around me all the time so but I think in truth like we are meant to sort of shift and pivot and, and go in different directions and I think like
1: actually that's part of the thing is like This idea that I've also created, and it's not just me, this is a big idea, I think, in our career especially, that if you decide, oh, I'm not going to audition anymore, I'm going to pivot and do something else, that there's no coming back from that, you know what I mean? And to be honest, does it seem highly unlikely that anyone is going to go work a day job for 10 years and then be like, you know what, now's the time I want to get back to auditioning at 6am in musical theater after I've given up my equity card, I'm going back now, (laughs) like, no, nobody's doing that. But I could if I wanted to. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so, like, the potential is there. Yes,
0: yes, absolutely. <laughs> and
1: I think I'm kind of riding on that a little bit, too, is like, maybe I'll take a break. Maybe I ge- am just genuinely burnt out from the process of it all. Yeah. And I think I need to leave the potential up in the air for myself like if i was to step away from theater i'd need to even if i never came back to it i'd need to convince myself that i could so that i was understanding that whatever i ended up doing was a choice and not like I fell back onto that and didn't have any other option
0: right right Like and, 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 and pivoting in the first place was your choice it wasn't forced right. upon you or anything like that yeah I I have this weird sense I've been thinking about like you know when is it gonna be enough for me to admit that I am good enough or that I have sort of made it in the career like when what's gonna happen in my life that I'm gonna be like oh yeah now I'm good you know what I mean like And it always returns to, like, booking my first Broadway show. And I Mm -hmm. know intellectually that when that happens not much is going to change in my life. (laughs) (laughs) So so I at least understand the idea that we can't sort of like quantify our life in these achievements. You know what I mean? Like in these lists, even though like the entire nature of our industry is here's a piece of paper. This is what I've done. Please hire me for your job. You know what I mean? Like in any industry, I guess like, and I was talking to Phil about this a lot. It's like, You know, we've spent so much time dedicating to our craft, but also just like, you know, becoming well-rounded people, but we don't have anything written down on paper that necessarily justifies... You know, being hireable, and so right. now he he's just like, and I I too, I'm just like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? I don't have any experience anywhere else. One
1: hundred percent. Hence why I'm doing what I'm doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my
0: god! Yeah, dude, it's, it's crazy, man. I mean, I because I was doing the the usual
1: thing. I've been working in a restaurant or in restaurants since. I graduated and finished my first contract. I immediately came back and got a bartending job. I've been a server, a barista, whatever. Now I'm a barista at a Starbucks. Yes, yes. And, you know, it's one of those things that, like, was this where I saw myself at 29? Absolutely not. But could I have also guessed that I would be living through a pandemic at 29? Don't think I would have pegged that one. (laughs) So I'm going to give myself a pass. And I think for me, I have to release this sense of shame that I have around whatever career I'm doing that isn't what I thought I'd be doing if I was if I'm not actively doing theater then I am automatically ashamed of what I'm doing even though there's nothing wrong like I'm getting up and going to work every day Right. That's better than a lot of people can y- say
0: right now. Yes.
1: Yeah, to no fault of their own. No, yes, you know? of course. So I have to practice gratitude, <laughs> number one. But also just like I, I recently had a moment where because I'm at a Starbucks five minutes from where I grew up, okay. I see people that I went to high school with all the time. Oh, okay. And it's always one of those weird experiences for me that like I ran into a girl that I've known since I was in pre-K and I was just like, oh my God, she's seeing me work at Starbucks. What? <laughs> you know, and like, why does that matter? Right? She's not concerned about me. <laughs> <laughs> this bitch has not talked to me in 10 years. Like, she happened to recognize me. That's what happened and life goes on. But for whatever reason, like, I, I think it says a lot more about how I feel about what I'm doing. Rather than how anybody else feels about what I'm doing.
0: Yes, yes.
1: There's an episode in Schitt's Creek when David has to go take a driving test to get his driver's license. And, you know, he's talking about how everything has come easy to his sister. And she's like, Well, that's just because I don't freak out about everything. Like you worry so much about what everybody thinks about you, and let me tell you, nobody cares. <laughs> Literally, nobody is thinking about you the way you're thinking about you and that is like that changed my life so
0: much yes that is
1: constantly in my head about what other people think about me but nobody cares they have their own shit to worry about yeah i tend to overcomplicate everything in my life yeah i mean the the moments i've been happiest stupidly well it's not stupid let me let me rephrase that oddly is right after i finished one of those like really cheesy self-help books. Like, because I've read them. I've read The Secret. I've read, what's the the one I love? The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Oh, yes, yes. read The Miracle Morning. Okay. Um, The Seven Spiritual Laws or some bullshit, something like that. You know, I've read them all. And they're not lying. A lot of the shit that they say is true. And if I really lived my life like that, I guarantee you I'd be happier. But it's just one of those things that, like, on paper it's like oh I can do that I can do that but it's just a lot harder in practice yeah. <laughs> I did the miracle morning for like 15 days and I was like bitch I've lost 5 pounds yeah. I'm getting up every day I'm working out I'm reading I'm journaling and then day 16 comes and you're like I just can't today <laughs>
0: We pardon the interruption to introduce the Black Trans Travel Fund, a grassroots black trans-led collective providing black transgender women with financial and material resources needed to remove barriers to self-determining and accessing safer travel options. Launched in New York City in June 2019, BTTF was created out of direct response to the relentless and unacceptable transphobic violence black transgender women across the country have been continuously experiencing. This is a call to action for allies to make a difference in the lives of black trans women so they feel less likely to experience verbal harassment or physical harm. Visit their website, blacktranstravelfund.com, for more information on how to support, donate, join monthly campaigns, or apply for funding. Additional information can be found on Instagram, at blacktranstravelfund.
2: Let's see. I met Gabe. We are a Tinder success story.
0: (gasps) Wow. Um, Let's go. I love it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we met uh, June of 2018. That's when we started dating.
0: And so were you sort of in between things at the time?
1: Yeah, yeah. I was... So I had just finished the Candlelight Processional, actually. So I would gotten back New Year's Eve of 2017. And then once I came back, I started working i started working at a restaurant that i had been working at before they closed moved to a new restaurant and was just sort of like auditioning and working that year and that was a weird year for me that was the year i'd like really started working on myself just in general because when i came back from disney on new year's eve i decided that i was not gonna drink for a full year okay just because yes I, I think we have talked about this a little bit i had just been feeling like since I started college to the end of 2017, I had just like gotten so wrapped up in like partying and always having fun that like I was just going a little bit ham and mm-hmm. like was feeling it in my body at that point. Uh-huh. So I was like, this, this, is and I wasn't looking good either. You know it was just not, not cute anymore. So let's just <laughs> calm it down. Yeah, that, I mean, that was great for me. I think just like mental clarity was there and I also lost 30 pounds by doing next to nothing. So, wow. That was, yeah, that was a good year for me. Yeah. And then I met the love of my life, you know? Oh, so, wow. uh,
0: so that was sort of midway through that year that you had decided to make that change. Exactly. So met Gabe June of twenty
1: eighteen and we just started dating and we took things relatively slow, you know, made things official September of that year and just sort of like have been pretty solid since.
0: That's incredible.
1: Yeah, it's been it's been wonderful because I you know, I've been through this is the longest relationship and most serious relationship I've been in. And now I guess we're like two and a half years in and up until that point, I think my ro- longest relationship was like six months. But in those relationships, I'd learned so much about myself, and I'd learned so much about like what I was willing to and not willing to accept in a partner. And also, with everything that I was doing for myself that year I came to a point where I was just like I'm not going to I mean yes I was on Tinder so obviously I was actively seeking something out sure yeah but but I think like I had been single for so long that I kind of was just like I'm just not desperate anymore like I'm now okay with being single and the moment you say I'm okay with being single is when somebody comes into your life and you're like oh but I guess I don't have to be anymore <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, so yeah and I think part of that is that that energy attracts people into your life when you're comfortable just with yourself people want to be around that i think absolutely Um, at the beginning of the relationship i think i wanted to take things slowly because like i have a tendency of getting like super emotionally attached really quickly and ultimately that's led to me being hurt and so like i had a guard up for a long time at the beginning of the relationship and i think ultimately i saw that like Gabe is just a good person, you know what I mean? And I mean, he, obviously, we're with our partners because we assume they're good
0: people. Right, right, um, I know what you mean, yeah. <laughs> but,
1: but he's, you know, a genuinely kind, wouldn't hurt a fly kind of person. And in seeing that and witnessing, like, his selfless acts just to people he doesn't know, I was like, okay, this is a person that I can trust to at least not intentionally hurt me. You know Sure, what I mean? sure, yeah. And then... On the flip side of things, two years into the relationship when the pandemic started, the thing that I found interesting about this was literally a week before New Jersey's like shutdown happened in March, we were in the car and he's like, so I was wondering, you know, he was living here in, in this apartment, but his roommate was his cousin. And, you know, I'd come over before, but it's a one bedroom. Okay. She was sleeping in the living room. He has a bedroom. And it was just, like, too complicated for me to, like, stay over in that kind of space. Sure. But he was like, so my cousin asked, like, if we were planning on moving in together because she's thinking about moving to the city and she didn't want me to be alone. And, you know, I was just wondering if that was something you were interested in. And I was like, I've I've been thinking about moving in with you for months, but I just wasn't going to push you to say that. So I was waiting for you. (laughs) And so we're like, okay, awesome. This will probably happen, like, six months from now, but, like, I can't wait so excited. And then, boom. New Jersey shuts down and when I tell you Chris like I the last time I saw him and like gave him a hug was probably like March 17th like two days after the shutdown and then the next time I saw him in person and like had physical contact with him was in June <gasps> <laughs> yeah and like I don't think I, I like kissed him for four months just because like I was living at home with my parents he was going to see his parents. And, like, there was too much outside contact within our own bubbles for Mm -hmm. us to feel safe and, like, feel safe for our parents' sake. You know what I
0: mean? yeah.
1: So that was a nightmare. (laughs) Uh, So I moved in in October, which, thank God. (laughs) 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 Uh, You know, I, I was very grateful to be at home when things shut down because, like, I was working in a restaurant. My restaurant shut down for a few weeks, and then I didn't feel safe going back until they figured out their own shit and so you know it just made sense for me to be at home and my parents were already working from home so things were good there but you know after a while you're home for i i was out of work for three months and seeing the same four walls for three months straight really will drive you insane (laughs) (laughs) so you know needed to get out went back to work and uh Restaurant was different, obviously. You know, restaurant work is different now for sure. And that started to affect my mental health. So I think it was a combination of things, but all of these different stressors and then not being able to see and be with Gabe in any sort of physical and intimate way created this like huge insecurity for me where I was just like, I turned into this really petty monster and just was like, Are you mad at me? Uh Why are you mad at me? Like, I was that person. I was like constantly like insecure and. It's it just got really weird while we weren't able to see each other.
0: Sure. And
1: I mean, God bless him for putting up with me. Yeah, <laughs> that's really all
0: I have to say. I was, I'm showing Kristen's never watched How I Met Your Mother. I don't know if you've ever seen it or anything, but yes, I have. It's it's just taking me back because I was well, I used to watch it all the time when I was younger, and it just you know they were sort of talking about how like a relationship is supposed to be easy, and and I heard it for the first time because like I always sort of. ...preach about how relationship is work, you know what I mean? Like, people don't understand that, like, love is just a word... ...and that the real work of partnership and commitment is just that, you know? It's it's a commitment every day. It's hard work. But the easy nature of it is when it, it sort of seems like there there are other things conspiring for you to be together.
1: Yes. The way I look at relationships... ...I always think back to this really random, like, one-off conversation that I had with my dad... He was, like, dragging me home from, like, musical rehearsal in high school or something like that. And just, like, as dads do, giving life advice unsolicited, you know. Um, and he was just like, I'm, I'm going to tell you something about relationships. Love is great, but it's not everything when you find a partner you have to make sure that you have the same vision of where your lives are going Mm. you have to make sure that you're in steps so that you can work together because a relationship is a partnership Mm. and like if you're not working towards the same goal you're gonna be in conflict with one another and i think for me and gabe at least that's been the one thing that i haven't really had to worry about is like i know that ultimately we want generally the same things we want to Be together, we want to be happy, we think we want kids. And one of us is like 100% yes, 100% no. Cool, we can just go with the flow on that one. We'll see where life takes us. (laughs) You know, but we're just happy, we're both kind of happy to just like, yeah, we're here, we're happy together. Yeah, you know, what is there to stress about, thankfully?
0: Absolutely. So, what does he do for work?
1: so Gabe is an architect which is why your Architectural Digest combat is gonna oh be he's
0: a yes <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> um yeah
1: so he is an architect he works at uh an architecture firm in the city
2: wow um
1: yeah a New Jersey boy born and raised in, in Bergen County okay and uh yeah he's he's an odd duck his parents he, I guess he's what first generation American cause his his parents are originally from Spain oh okay um so
0: he's bilingual. Um, don't know why that's important. <laughs> in case anybody needs a translator, uh, yeah, let me know. He, he can do that
1: uh, for sure. Oh man! I don't know. He's he's that's a bit awesome. of a character. Yeah. He's loud. He's yeah. Louder than I am. Oh wow! Okay. Something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we're in Newark now. I was in Montclair before, but I moved in with him in Newark and. Newark is definitely not the city that I saw myself in. Um, I'm going to be 100% honest about that. I think that comes from, A, being raised in Montclair my whole life. Sure, sure. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit bougie. That's fine. (laughs) But also, like, my dad lived in Newark growing up in the, like, late 60s, early 70s. And I think he sort of instilled in me that, like, it's not a place you want to live. Like, it's just... (laughs) It's not safe,
2: but like, Newark now is not Newark of the
1: 70s. Sure, sure, <laughs> like 100%. sure. sure. I, so I live funny. above a Whole Foods. So okay. Really, <laughs> okay. How bad can it be? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's oh, so tough. funny. I was just talking to Kristen about this the other day because um, I don't even know how it came up, but we were talking about school and going to school and stuff. I Because we live in Greenwich Village, so it's like right next to the NYU campus, and Every single time I walk around, I'm like, holy hell, what it would have been like to be 18 in New York City, like right here. Like, what are these kids experiencing? It's unbelievable. And I had gotten into school before I came to Montclair and went to American down in D.C. I had also gotten into Fordham, which is up in the Bronx. And I I never really went to New York City. And by that, I mean I never went to New York City growing up, ever. And I don't even think I went to Philly, maybe a handful of times, if that, which I'm a lot closer to. And so I was 100% a suburbs kid through and through. You know what I mean? (laughs) So there was definitely this element of like the city that was like, you know, like, I can't do that. It's too scary. I'm going to get mugged and shanked. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, I just like, which I mean, it happened. So I guess it was like a legitimate fear. But like there was, there was totally this like blanket, sort of view of it that like it was 100% unsafe I couldn't go there like and I always think about what it would have been like and I I feel like we we create this like stigma about you know the city in general and, and, and even hearing you say about New York every time I drive through I'm like no this is not the place to be <laughs> I, I one time I got turned around there in my car and it was in the middle of the night and everything's scary in the middle of the night with no street lights you know what I mean yeah. so I have this like image of it that it's like totally not a place that, like, people actually live. It's just, like, an industrial town where, like, ships come to dock and never, like, <laughs> never return to the sea. But I am sure that there are tons of beautiful apartment places. <laughs> like, it's obviously, it's... We've, we've grown. Yeah,
1: we've got these, what, 13-foot ceilings? Oh, okay. Well, That's an echo in here. I'm living. <laughs>
0: Good, good acoustics. Oh, you know, I have the time of
1: my life just screaming in here. <laughs> my neighbors must hate me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my oh. lord.
0: Even as we talk about the shit that we're uncertain about and the shit that we hate and want to change and I don't know what's coming tomorrow, like I still feel so calm and and we're having fun and laugh it's just like you've made light of so much.
1: I actually have been thinking about this recently because I feel that. I feel this weird dichotomy in how like my internal life is and what I put out into the world. And I think part of it is that like I just thrive on I thrive on social interaction even though I have this severe social anxiety like I also I thrive on being able to like have fun with people make people laugh but also like any sort of negative social interaction is like the end of my day like right. I, I, I'm i not coming back from that <laughs> that's pretty much it so it, it's highs and lows definitely but I I'm not sure if it comes from like wanting to aspire to that or just like in the moment when I'm with other people and like yeah I can be stressed about whatever I was stressing about before we started this call but I think these are the times when I am most in the moment mm-hmm. when I'm just talking to people is when I can like stop thinking about myself for a moment and just be like okay we're connecting this is good yes, you
0: know yes yeah yeah
1: and and that's I think what everyone is missing right now for the last year or so it's yes. really just like being able to connect and like have that release of okay we can have a real conversation without a mask on I have always been like I don't know if you'll believe this but growing up I was super shy I mean I think that comes from my social anxiety which you know growing up in the 90s who used a word like anxiety (laughs) nobody (laughs) (laughs) it's funny because like now I'm constantly going back and analyzing things I said and did as a child and like that's diagnosable I should have been seeing a doctor for that shit
0: yes oh my god yes (laughs)
1: I think I read something somewhere that was like a lot of times when kids like in school, like little kids, like five, six, seven, are going to the nurse every day complaining of stomach aches it's usually coming from a source of anxiety. And I was that kid like from pre-K through first grade, every single day I was in the nurse's office with a stomach ache trying to go home. Not because I just didn't like school, but because like kids stressed me the fuck out, man. Yeah, <laughs> like, dude. Kids are me. Yeah. First of all, I was I was a bully kid. That's that's number one. And you know, just talking to kids is talking to people can be hard. But all for right. me, just being like the shy, not talkative one in my family, you know, I didn't know how to talk to other kids, and I think that just like freaked me out. Totally. And like I come from a pretty loud family. Okay. That growing up I always felt like the black I mean I still feel like the black sheep I'm one of the only out gay people in my family that I can think of the only other one is damn near twice my age and lives in Florida who who I've met once (laughs) so I didn't really have any uh, relatives I can look up to there and I will say also my family is so much better now but you know when I came out or when I was figuring out my sexuality growing up I witnessed so much homophobia that's just like I think it's instilled in adults of a certain age as well as largely in the black community, unfortunately.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, I think I saw so much of that sort of like toxic masculinity and homophobia that I was, I, I sort of prevented myself from really opening up to a lot of people in my family as I was, when I was younger. I've gotten better about that now, I think. But yeah, I think all of that sort of contributed to my experience of my anxiety. And also like how I saw myself, not really knowing if I had a place to fit in. And I would say the other thing I dealt with growing up that contributed to who I am today is not really feeling right in any category that I should feel right in. You know what I mean? Like I dealt with a lot of, you're not really black though, right? Or like you're kind of an Oreo or you don't sound black. I was that kid growing up. Yeah. So, you know, which is weird because I think to myself in high school, I had a lot of white friends. But that was because I did theater. Before I got to high school, I primarily had black friends. So the fact that I had other black kids still coming up to me and being like, you're not really black. And I'm like, bitch, <laughs> do you see me? Yeah. Like, what do you mean? Yeah,
0: <laughs> damn. Yeah,
1: there's a lot to unpack there, I would say.
0: Yeah, so. I mean, the little nuances of it that I'm still uncovering and, and just like the inter-racism, like colorism and stuff and, and just...
1: Oh my God, yeah. It's
0: It's... <laughs> It's unbelievable, man. I, I
1: oh well. Let's let's start with the colorism first because that that is one thing to me that is absolutely shocking that we have like racism within our own race. Like to me, it is insane that like it can come out of the most wonderful people's mouths sometimes sure. and be absolutely shocking. I remember when I worked at the Alhambra Theater in Jacksonville. I met uh, I had a wonderful castmate who I will not name, but I had a wonderful castmate who I I'm very close with I love this person but they (laughs) they would be like you know I just cannot stand light-skinned black girls they're just so bougie and like think the most of themselves and I'm like who told you that (laughs) have you had that much experience with light-skinned black girls and then like It's also like, you're not, it's not like you're the color of Africa or something. Like, you're not, you're not blue, black. You're just a brown skinned person. Like, where is this coming from? Right,
2: right, right. It's just
1: insane to me why people feel that like being, and I get it, certain, there is a certain amount of privilege that comes with being lighter you certainly fit more into Eurocentric beauty standards. I get it. And, and yes, we all have to be aware of our own privilege. I get that too. But I don't think the answer to that is to be like, Oh, well I don't like them because they're
0: light skinned, So they must be into themselves. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's absolutely insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's, um, it's insane how just how much is sort of just programmed in our heads to say, uh, just naturally and, and feel. And, and that like, if you're not constantly sort of, checking what is in your default then like that's but it's good it's good because if you're not constantly checking yourself then you're never going to change and if you don't change then you're going to just continue to sort of hurt people in a very subtle but still really terrible way
1: absolutely absolutely it's the colorism thing is crazy this last year I mean sometimes I forget that George Floyd died less than a year ago like that it has only been a matter of months since that happened, and. I remember, I mean, remember as if it was a long time ago, but I went through such a state of like, I mean, I was depressed, definitely. I started doing talk therapy for the first time like that month because there was just so much going on as far as like living in a house with my dad. My dad is the type of person who constantly has the news on in the house, like from 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. And like. Screaming I mean, my dad could scream at Donald Trump for the next 10 years and still have more to say. You know what I mean? Like, he cannot get enough of screaming at (laughs) those kinds of people. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, So when George Floyd happened, oh my God. I mean, and understandably so, my dad was obviously worked up. We all were. I mean, me, my dad, my brother all could have been victims of that same exact situation. And I think knowing that is part of the stress for me, for him, for my brother but my dad has to verbalize everything so like I'm already experiencing my own sense of like I can't believe this is still happening today and then going on social media and watching people talk about how they can't believe it's happening today and then going downstairs to my living room and hearing my dad talk about how he can't believe it's happening today you know and it just got to a point where I was like I can't and then you know, you're getting the texts from your friends. Are you okay? How are you doing? Which to me, like I understood a lot of people had very conflicting feelings about that, about like, Oh, well, I don't want my friends checking in on me now. Like it's a little late for that. But to me, it's like, if, if they're really your friends, they're honestly just checking on you out of being your friend. If it's someone you haven't talked to in five years and they're texting you about it, that's a little weird. Sure. Sure. But still, like, even though it was nice, It also did bring it up every time you get
0: one of those texts of how are you holding up. It's like, okay, well, I'm not doing great, but I really don't want to talk about it right now. (laughs) Right, right, right.
1: And then also dealing with being in an interracial relationship and having to have that conversation with my boyfriend. And not that Gabe feels any sort of white guilt, nor do I think he should, but I still think, you know this kind of situation affects white people differently than i think it affects black people obviously like that's just the nature of the situation i think for a lot of white people it's like a oh my god is is that really what black people deal with like that's not all black people but like wow are white people like that still out there in the world you know there's this sense of shock and like totally. to black people it's not shocking it's more just like a brutal sort of reminder of what's out there it's more of a reminder than a reveal if that makes sense. You know what I mean? I'm sure there are some black people out there who were absolutely shocked by everything that happened George Floyd and and everyone else who have had things
2: like that happen. I mean, just uh, Christian Cooper is another one that to me, like the fact that that happened, I think in the same week. And I
1: don't, I mean, obviously they're two very different situations. For whatever reason, the Christian Cooper situation to me really struck a nerve in a very different way. It obviously wasn't anywhere near as violent but it could have been yes and that to me is the situation that like I see myself more in and that brings a lot of like fear that you're just a black person literally in the wrong place in the wrong time doing a totally peaceful activity that brings you joy and someone tries to weaponize the people who are supposed to protect you it's just insane to me yeah um, intersectionality this idea that like I am male, so I experience male privilege, but I'm a black male. I'm also a gay black male, you know, Mm -hmm. so there are all these different aspects of my life that really don't mesh in a lot of ways. You know, being gay in the black community, a lot of times, not always, and it really, what I'll say about this is you find opposite ends of the spectrum. You know what I mean? Like, you have black people in the community who see being gay as like, you're just like me. You know, they understand that this is not something you chose. It's not something that you can change, nor should you have to. And you experience not the same level of oppression or discrimination, but a similar kind of oppression and discrimination. And so it becomes like a come to my side, come to my team. We're all in this together kind of thing. And then you have the opposite. And I think this is really, at least from my observation in my own family and community, Where the homophobia, I think, comes from in the black community is this idea that, like, you already have one mark against you. You're already black. Don't make your life even more difficult by living out and proud as a gay man. There's this idea that, like, you could hide it. You may mean you can't change how you feel internally, but you can hide it. You can live a different life. And it's like, you know, that was the conversation that I had growing up with certain family members. Who've since changed their tune, thank God. Um, but you know this idea that like I should have to lie to myself, to the people around me who I love, and either live a lie or live alone. That shit ain't fair. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Hell no. Yeah. As hell. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So you know it's very weird to me that that. I mean, I get it. it when I when I verbalize it in that way, it does make sense. But it's also just one of those things that I think that's a frame of mind that needs to end. Because ultimately, we are stronger together, as cheesy as that sounds. But, like, if all of the people who are oppressed or discriminated against stop bickering amongst each other, we become the majority. And that goes for so many different communities. Yes. You know, the Afro-Latino, as an
2: Afro-Latino myself. Yes. uh (laughs) within the Afro-Latino community there is racism
1: there are so many people who are Puerto Rican or Dominican who are like oh but they're like a dark-skinned Puerto Rican or Dominican. you know what I mean yes. and it's like <laughs> really <laughs> seriously we are really getting to the nitty-gritty now yeah come on man like yeah that, uh, let me I, not say what I was about to say because I was about to say something real great okay <laughs> up oh, there okay
0: oh my gosh yeah I mean so much of what you're saying is right on the nose but thank you for for sharing all that it's it's uh you know you are loved I, I know you know that but um I just want to tell you that again um I love you, too, man. I love you man I'm so happy for you it seems like as much as is uncertain there there is quite a lot going for you in, in life right now and more to look yeah. forward to I guess
1: I would certainly say that. I mean, I, as most of us do, I definitely get caught up in the little things far mm-hmm. too much. But when I, whenever I do stop and think, like, what do I have to be happy about right now in my life? So much. You know what I mean? Like, I have a roof over my head. I have a wonderful partner. I have a job. I can pay my bills and feed myself. And I can afford Netflix. <laughs> you know what? At the end of the day, I am doing just fine. Probably a little bit better than just fine. Hell so, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Can't really be too upset.
0: If you are buying your own Netflix, you have made it.
1: <laughs> and maybe Disney Plus. Oh, oh girl, you are fancy now.
0: <laughs> That's how you know you're fancy, man. Gosh, I, I really, I can't thank you enough, Michael. This was absolutely a pleasure. Of course, I'm glad you thought of me, man. It was so good to see you.
1: Same here. All right, I'll talk, talk to you soon. soon. Bye.
0: What an episode. Before the pandemic, I used to see Michael pretty often at auditions, but of course, life is a bit different now. I didn't realize before the conversation just how much I'm missing proper human interaction. Let me be clear, I am so grateful for my wife, Kristen, and all the time we have together. I know how lucky we are, and I am certain Michael is so grateful for Gabe. I think sometimes, especially during this pandemic, we unload everything on our partners because there's no one else around to help filter through, and that can be tough. It's definitely something I need to remember next time my mind wanders to unproductive places. Also, don't underestimate the adjustment we've all made to the lack of human connection. We are social beings, and not being able to connect with one another properly is detrimental to our health, but it's not going to be like this forever. Before I go, I wanted to point out Michael's ability to make light of and find the humor in almost everything we talked about. We can agree that life is not easy, that we are not where we thought we'd be, we hardly have any answers for where we will be, and we are continuing to deal with negative thoughts that distract us from the present moment. On top of that, Michael, as a black gay man, faces discrimination, unfair challenges, and fear on a regular basis, and yet his smile continues to shine. And like he said, at the end of the day, he has a roof over his head, food in the fridge, a job, a partner who loves him, and a damn Netflix and Disney Plus subscription? (laughs) Not too bad. Maybe make your own list, keep it simple, and see just how long it actually ends up being. Thanks again for listening. And please make sure to subscribe to the podcast, write comments and reviews, and share with your friends and family. The best place to reach me is on Instagram at Sharon Feelings. Message me anytime. Take care, and I'll talk to you soon.
2: Sharon.